Well, good afternoon, almost. <laughs> good morning, church. This is Chad, uh, lead pastor. Welcome all of you online. We're so glad that you guys are watching online right now. Today is truly a day of celebration. We need to watch uh, the celebration of new life in Christ through baptism. Isn't that just a joy to watch people just man, express what God has been doing in their life? It's such a joy to hear that. Um, we're getting to celebrate that all people are created in God's image, and we're also getting to celebrate uh, Unleashed today. And we'll do that more at the end of the service, but we've been working for weeks and months now as a church congregation to prepare our hearts for a two-year commitment. I get to share with you and celebrate at the end of the service where we're at on that. But today, we get to talk a little bit more about God, our Creator, and His plans for every life and how everyone's created in God's image. And so we have a heart for the born and the unborn, and we're going to focus a little bit today on adoption. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was just sitting reading this little book. I was by myself, and I'm really glad because as I uh, was reading some stories about adoption, next thing I know, I'm breathing kind of shallow. I've got tears in my eyes, and uh, my heart's racing as I'm reading these stories about adoption. And uh, I'm glad no one was around because they would have been like, what's wrong with that guy, you know? But uh, there was one story, I'm just going to share a snippet here that really captivated me. It was by a man named Russell Moore and his wife Maria. And he just took me back to 14 years earlier where they had adopted two one-year-olds from Russia. And so here's a little snippet from the story uh, in this book. He said, I had imagined what the scene might be like when we finally completed the adoption process. In my own mind, I guess I thought it would be like a scene out of a movie. We would walk into the orphanage. Our boys would receive us with joy and laughter. We'd hug them and toss them in the air as music played in the background. And we walked out. We would walk out and drive off into the sunset. Needless to say, things did not happen quite that way. Instead, we walked out of the orphanage with our two sons. They were screaming. All right? Up until this point, their entire life consisted of lying alone in their own excrement in a dark crib. Never before had they ever even seen the sunlight. When we stepped outside for the first time, they had no idea what the brightness was, and they were terrified, and they had never seen a shadow before, and they tried to wipe them off their bodies as if they were bugs. When the wind blew into their faces, they winced. When we got into the car and shut the door, they screamed, and as we pulled out of the parking lot of that orphanage, both of them were shaking and red-faced, and they were lunging backwards with their arms outstretched, desperately reaching to the direction of the orphanage. I leaned forward, not knowing what else to do, and I whispered in their ears, even though they didn't understand English, saying, relax, you have no idea. This place is a pit. You have just no idea of what's waiting for you. Family, Sunday school, happy meals, air conditioning. But it didn't matter what I said. Those little hands were still reaching back for the orphanage. That place was horrifying, but it was all they had known and it was home. Once back at our home, the most difficult moment was mealtime. When you have one-year-olds who have never even had solid food before in their entire lives, they would just gag when the food touched their lips. Because they weren't used to the regularity of meals, they would hide scraps in their chairs and they would sit with their fist ups as they ate, terrified that someone would take food away from them. The moment we knew that these children were growing into our family was when their fist relaxed and they stopped hiding food. That meant that they were starting to understand that we were their parents and that we would provide for them and take care of them. Man, why do stories like that strike such a chord in us? First, it's because no child should experience the kind of trauma that an orphan endures. It breaks our heart. It makes us want to storm the door of every orphanage and just rescue kids. 
And when an orphan child gets a forever family and comes to their new home, our souls just shout with joy over the redemption that just took place in that moment. But there's another reason that stories like this strike a chord on our soul. And sometimes we're aware and sometimes we're not aware, but it's this. Whether you realize it or not, when we hear or read a story like that, it's a picture of the gospel. This account of adoption mirrors God's redemptive and adoptive love for us. Just as those ex-orphans did not comprehend the transaction that just took place, we as ex-spiritual orphans either do not comprehend or we have forgotten the transaction that took place when we come to faith in Christ. I mean, think about our condition before Christ. Because of sin, we were laying in our own excrement of shame, only familiar with the darkened state of our minds and our hearts and our actions because of how lost and sinful we were. And when we heard about the love of God and the purchase of our souls through the death and resurrection of Jesus, it pierced through that darkness. But the light of Christ was so brilliant at first that we didn't know what to do with it. We were both excited and scared. Having a relationship with the living God feels both good and terrifying. And as God grips us in his love, and as he pulls us close to himself, sometimes we're the ones that reach back, kicking and screaming. We reach back to the old life, to what's familiar, to the old ways. And in that moment, it's like God pulls you close and whispers to you and says, you have no idea. You have no idea what I have for you. You have no idea what our relationship is going to be like. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will start to begin his purifying work on our lives. And we'll start to relax our grip. And we stop hiding from God and hiding from his plans, and hiding from his ways, and we start to fully embrace his relationship and his provision and his promises. See, adoption is a living metaphor of God's love. It's a living metaphor of the gospel. It may actually be the most tangible act to communicate the message of Christianity. So in light of uh, yesterday being Adoption Awareness Day and November being Adoption Awareness Month, we're doing this back-to-back miniseries we've called Created. Last week, we focused on the unborn. This week, we're focusing on the born and the orphan. Last week, Pastor Rick shared with us that we're pro-life because God is pro-life and that human life and human rights and social justice begins in the womb. And we believe that because we believe that all human life is created by God in his image at conception and therefore has sacred dignity and immeasurable worth. And so in the same way that we're pro-life because God's pro-life, we're pro Adoption, because God's pro-adoption. And adoption is very present in the Bible, whether it's the people who were adopted, like Moses and Esther that you read about in scriptures, even Jesus. We look at Jesus because it was a miraculous conception from the Holy Spirit and Mary. Jesus was not Joseph's son, but Joseph took him on and parented him as if he was his own. So even Jesus understood the dynamics of adoption. And then you look at the scriptures and the history, and you understand that of all the nations and all the people group, God adopted one unique group, the Hebrew people, Jews, the Israelites, to be a unique people that were his. And then he grafted or adopted non-Jews into this fold through faith in Christ. And so God's very pro-adoption because it's his idea. And we see the heart of God. We see that he executes justice for the fatherless. We see that God likes to put the lonely or the solitary in a home. 
And so since the beginning of time, God and his people have demonstrated care for children, the unborn and the born, the orphan. And as followers of Christ, we take to heart and deeply consider instructions to us, such as giving justice to the weak and the fatherless, to maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, to bring justice to the fatherless. Some versions say to defend the orphan. We also think of the well-known biblical reminder in James chapter 1, verse 27, that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That word visit there, to visit orphans, means to look after, to care for, to convey the idea of rescuing or delivering or defending. And so if we're to apply James 1.27 to our lives, a pure and uncorrupted, undefiled pursuit of Christ will lead us to care for and defend orphans. That's part of our expression of our faith. And so we clearly see that God cares about orphans and adoption, which means we care about orphans and adoption. Now, as followers of Christ, not everybody is going to be called to adopt a child, but we are all called to be pro-adoption. We all play a part in cultivating a culture that cares for the orphans of the world. What part are you playing? How are you engaged in caring for orphans? Also, the most significant reason that adoption is so important to us is because it's a living metaphor of God's adoptive and redemptive love for us. Physical adoption reflects God's spiritual adoption. And adoption emulates God's identity-giving and inheritance-providing nature. Basically, God uses adoption to give identity and he uses it to give an inheritance. And I want to take you to a passage, just really briefly, that really communicates that well. Open up your Bibles or fire up your Bible apps to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans 8, 14. And by the way, if you're here and you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you one. Stop by the information center on the way out and uh, get a Bible. But find yourselves at Romans 8, 14. Here's what we see. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of, what's it say? Adoption. As sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children than heirs, and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Did you catch that? Did you catch how God provides um, both identity and inheritance through adoption. So let's look at the identity piece first. God uses adoption to give identity, which means this is God's way of saying, you are mine. Adoption is God's way of saying, you are mine. Nothing means more to an orphan than to know that they're loved, cared, and wanted by somebody, that they belong to someone. And so when we think about our lives spiritually, because of sin, we became like spiritual orphans. The fall of mankind made us fatherless, and we broke the relationship with God. It's like we ran away from home, and instead we ended up in an orphanage spiritually. And because of our rebellious nature, God and all his holiness would be justified to abandon us. 
justified to leave us in a pit, sitting in the dark with our self-centered, self-pleasing, self-sufficient attitudes. But because of his great love for us, God sees our despair. He sees that we're lost. He sees that we're needy. He sees that we're helpless about it and comes and rescues us through the life, the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we place our faith in Christ as our Savior and believe that he died for our sin and rose from the grave, we become his. He says, you are mine. Now, remember this. Adoption is expensive. Like for the families who are taking on adoption, it's thousands of dollars. Now, fortunately, those who take on foster care are able to give, give them some resources. But for those who choose adoption, it's, it's difficult. And all of our adoptions, we have three of them, they, they were expensive. And it just is another way to glorify God because don't forget that our adoption by God was also expensive. It cost Jesus his life. It cost the blood of Jesus to be shed for us to be adopted. And so when he went to that cross and he poured out his blood, it was paying the fee to adopt us so that we could become, as verse 14 says here, sons of God. God's children, so that he can say, you're mine. I purchased you. I paid the fees that kept us apart, and now you're mine. I love what he tells us in 2 Corinthians 6.18. He says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a child of God. Men, you are sons of God. Ladies, you are daughters of God. He's given you this identity. He's told you, you are mine through your faith in Christ. When you look at verse 15 in Romans 8, it speaks about those who've received Christ are no longer slaves. We're not slaves to fear. We're not slaves to the old ways. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We've not, we're not slaves to the flesh, but we've been adopted by God through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of adoption. And now we can cry out to God this term, Abba, Father. This is an Aramaic term. The closest we can get is something like Daddy. It communicates closeness and intimacy. And this is a term of endearment. And when, when, the, when the child can look up at the Father and out of security and trust say, Abba, Father, this is the same term that Jesus used when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he felt the weight of the sin of the world. And he said, Abba, Father, Take this cup from me. It's this intimate connection that we can have with the Lord because of what he has done, because of his redemptive and adoptive love, and because the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of us at conversion is now the spirit of adoption, fusing us into God's family and reminding us that we're never orphans anymore, but that he's brought us in. You know, Ephesians 1.5 says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. God's plan to adopt you was in the works before you ever had any idea. Like for the families that have adopted, a lot of times if they've adopted from orphanages or foster care, sometimes children have no clue that there's a mom or a mom and a dad that are trying to move heaven and earth to bring that child home. They're unaware, but it's happening Long before you and I were even here, God had it planned. He already had it in motion. He had the gospel. He had the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the eternity already planned before we ever had a clue because it was predestined according to his will through Christ. So we're not adopted because of anything we do. We don't manufacture it. We don't engineer it. We only receive it. And it's not done through works 
or moral behavior or spiritual lineage or going to church or religion. It's only given through Christ. You have to have that personal connect with Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus told us, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And you get that image of those kids, the millions, kids by the millions in orphanages around the world, that they're sitting there in a stage where they can't do anything about their condition of their own. They need someone to come and rescue them. And in our sin, we're stuck in our sin, and God came and rescued us out of it. And he adopted us. John 1, verse 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Look at that, there's a receiving and a believing, Right? In his name, he gave the right to become, say it with me, children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so for those who come to faith in Christ, through belief in Jesus, we become children of God, adopted and according to his will. Some of you today need to come to Christ. Some of you sitting in here, some of you watching online, you've done church, you've done religion, you've done good works, all that stuff. Look, Orphans don't need an institution. Orphans don't need a system of rules and regulations. Orphans need a parent. And so some of you have been trying to trust in institution and rules and all these things. You're not going to get to heaven. You're not going to get made right by that stuff. You need a parent. And God the Father has offered that relationship with you. And so some of you need to come to Christ for the first time. And it's as simple as understanding. You're not going to have all your questions answered in one moment. None of us will. Not this side of eternity. But we come to the place where we see our state as spiritual orphans and we realize we need God the Father to rescue us out of that. And so you basically tell God three things. You say, I'm sorry. <laughs> you say, I believe and receive, just like the words we read here. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for running from you. I'm sorry for disobeying. Today I believe. I believe in Jesus as my Savior. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose from the grave and I receive. I receive your forgiveness. I receive relationship. I receive all that you have. I want to be your beloved child. You don't need me to tell you that. You don't need someone else to do that. You just tell God that and enter into that adoptive, redemptive love that he's offered you. He's just offered to you, free for the taking. You just have to receive it. And if you do that today, if you say that to God today, we want to help you grow in your relationship with God, uh, in your program as a response card. At the top of that response card in the back says, I respond with a big yes to God's offer to adopt me. I'm going to put my faith in Christ. If you do that today, circle that. Exit, underline it, all caps, highlight, whatever it takes. Put it in the baskets at the end of the service. We'll get in touch with you and tell you about your next steps to grow. If you're online, you can email us at connect at cvconline.org and tell us the same thing. We'll get in touch with you. But in the same way that our redemption and rescue through faith in Christ gives us an identity, gives us a moment where God tells us, you are mine, our adoption of children gives them an identity. We get to tell waiting children. By the way, that, that's such an unpleasant term, waiting children. The reality that there's thousands, thousands of children in the United States, millions globally, that are waiting. They're waiting for a home. They're dreaming for parents who will love them and, and, and take care of them. And there's all these waiting children. And when we adopt a child, we tell them, you're mine. You're mine. I want to bring you into my life. I want to bring you into my family. I want to bring you into my church. I want to bring you into all that God has given me. And I want you and I love you. And you're now mine. That's what happens when we adopt a child. And that even one child 
does not know the love of a family is a great injustice. And there are millions of children living in this reality. And as great as it is to have foster care systems, as great as it is to have orphanages to help care for them, God's plan for those kids is not an orphanage. God's plan for those kids is not foster care. God's plan for those kids is a family. That's what God's plan is for those kids. Those kids will never, they'll never thrive in an orphanage or in foster care. They'll thrive in a family. That's what God's plan is. Someone who will say, you are mine. Another story I read over the last couple of weeks is a story of a young woman named Shay. She was in foster care in Tennessee. And at 15, she got a job, and then she was able to save enough money, and she ended up getting a car, and once she was of age, she could drive that car. But because there was no dad in her life, no parents in her life, no one ever taught her that you need to put oil in the car. No one ever taught her about maintaining the car. And so she was driving to work one day, and the car burned up and broke down. Well, she was attending this little church, and a mechanic in that church heard about what had happened. And you know what? He came alongside her. And he helped provide a replacement car. He taught her about oil and how to maintain a car a little bit. And then she started getting more engaged in this church. And pretty soon, people were just investing in Shay's life in different ways. At one point, Shay was told that she was going to have to move out of that foster care system into a group home. And a single, a single older widowed woman said, no, you're going to come live with me. And she brought her into her home. And it wasn't easy. Look, there's a glamorous, there's a side of this that's very unglamorous about friction and tension and all the baggage that can come with the stuff. But it's worth it, right? This woman said, you come live with me. And this was a woman who was teaching Shay in her seventh grade ministry. And so Shay came in and this church just kept loving on her and being there for her. Years later, Shay met a guy. His name was Zach. And they fell in love. They wanted to get married. Well, there's only one place to get married, this church. That's the only place that makes sense because this has been her family for so long. And so on that day, the church was packed. And Shay, because there was no family in her life, walked up the aisle by herself in a white gown and came to the front. And the pastor said, who brings this woman to be married to this man? And the entire church stood up and said, we do. They said, we do. They were her family. Shay says of her church, they're my family. They showed me God's love. And because of them, I understand how much Jesus loves me. And through adoption, Shay both had an identity as a daughter of Christ and also as a member of the family of God through this church. Who are we going to continue to say we do to? Who are we as a church going to continue to reach out to and say you're mine? Russell Moore, that I read from earlier in his book, Adopted for Life, says this, Adoption is not just about couples who want children or want more children. Adoption is about an entire culture within our churches, a culture that sees adoption as part of our great commission mandate and as part of the gospel itself. Who are we going to continue to show God's adoptive love for by adopting or supporting adoption as a church family? Praise God that this is a church that loves kids. And so many families in this church have already adopted children. A little later, you're going to hear just a beautiful song that Brian and Joe are going to sing for us. There's going to be a slide show of families that have adopted from our church. They're not all in there. We just put it on social media and said, send us a picture. And these are just the ones we got our hands on. But we know there's more. And so we're so grateful for all that God's done already in this area. Some of you have adopted and fostered, and some of you have supported it so it could happen. But there's more to do. 
When it comes to this pro-life understanding, what if our church continued to grow and we became a place where those who've aborted will find loving people to walk with them as they seek healing through Christ? And for those who have a crisis pregnancy will find love and support and informed people to walk with them and help them make good choices and God-honoring choices. What if our church helps those who are considering adoption, either by placing a child for adoption lovingly, because they know they're not ready to be a parent, or one who's going to receive a child into their home, that this can be a church that's informed and prepared to help people walk that road? What if this is the church that will help people who are adopting by funding the adoption? Because insurance doesn't cover adoption. <laughs> we may not all call, be called to adopt a child, but we are all called to be pro-adoptive. Amen? Amen? Not only does God use adoption to give an identity, to say, you are mine, but he also uses adoption to give an inheritance. This is where God says, all that I have is yours. Wrap your mind around that for a second. God has told his children, everything that I have belongs to you. You know, Jesus Christ has inherited everything in all creation by his role as the Son of God. And through God's divine grace, any adopted child of God becomes a fellow heir with Christ, right? Look at Romans 8, 17. It says, if we're children, then we're what? Heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You know what? We have inherited salvation of our souls. We've inherited a relationship with God. We've inherited the earth. We've inherited all of creation. We've inherited the universe. We've inherited heaven. We've inherited eternity as children of God. Look, we know there's some very wealthy people in this world, people who can bestow mansions and a bunch of money and a bunch of cars. They can bestow vineyards and companies, even kingdoms. But compared to what the child of God is getting in their inheritance, it's a drop in the ocean. We are God's beneficiaries. He has told us in Christ, all that I have is yours. Galatians 4, 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And his will for you and me is that we've got this incredible inheritance waiting. Now I want you to think about your earthly inheritance. Some of you have received that. Some of you have made arrangements to give that. Everything we inherit or will give as an inheritance in this world will either be destroyed eventually, used up, consumed, or passed on to the next person. You don't really get to keep it, right? It's never going to last. When you look at 1 Peter 1, 3-4, look what God has for us as children of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. If you're in Christ, you're a child of God, meaning that God values you, has a future for you, and has given you this inheritance that will never go away. Truly, for believers in Christ, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. He has lavished his love upon us because he sees us as having that much value and worth. He's given us everything, and we did nothing to deserve it. We're not entitled to it. We didn't earn it. God has given us everything that's his simply because he loves us and it brings his heart joy to do so.
And so in the same way, when we adopt, when we take an orphan child and give them more than they could ever imagine having, we lavish our love on them. We tell them, all I have is yours. Some of you are thinking, I don't have much. Trust me, whatever you have is more than anything they will ever experience in their life. Man, all I have belongs to you is what we say to these kids when we bring them into our home. We say that they're that valuable, that they're worth that much in our eyes to receive that kind of love and generosity. You know, this is, we come from a long lineage of being pro-life as followers of Christ. You know, during the time of the early church, Christians lived in a Greco-Roman culture where not all children were seen as valuable. Some were seen as cheap and expendable. That's why in the Roman Greco culture, they had no problem with the fantasy and abandonment. The, the Romans regularly practiced exposure. If a child was born weak or sick or deformed or disabled, even if they were born female because they preferred a male, or if they were undesirable in any way, they would either drop them in the sewer through their bathhouse. They've, been, they've excavated underneath Roman bathhouses and found hundreds of skeletons of babies, right? They'd either just do that or if they had a little more compassion, at least, I guess, they would take them outside the city. They practiced something called exposure. They would take them outside the city to expose them to whatever would take their life. They would take them to dumps. They would take them to caves, just a place in the woods, and leave them to be exposed by the elements, by starvation, by the dogs, by whatever got to that kid first. Aren't you thankful that the early Christians did not live by the philosophy of when in Rome, do as the Romans do, because it was the Christians that went outside the city and found those kids and brought them in. They brought them into their homes. They didn't just condemn the death and abandonment of children. They personally did something about it. And unfortunately, the church is full of a lot of people who are very vocal about condemning the death and abandonment of children, but they're not doing anything about it. This has to be personal to us because it's personal to God. If you don't think it's personal to God, read the Bible. This is going to jump off the page over and over and over and over again. God's heart for the defenseless and for the unborn and for those orphans. We want our hearts to be his heart, amen? We want our heart to be his heart. Adoption is an area where the Christian church has truly been a light. We've shined here. Statistically, Christians adopt twice as much as the general population. Christians foster care 50% more than the general population. Christians, statistically, will take in older foster kids and be willing to adopt people with special needs than the general population. So we can celebrate that. But before we get too excited, let's also make sure we get the scope of the issue. Now, we know there's millions around the world, but let's just talk about our nation for a little bit. Right now, today, as we sit here, there are over 100,000 kids in the United States waiting to be adopted, just waiting. They're in a womb, they're in an orphanage, they're somewhere waiting to be adopted. On top of that, there's about 415,000 children in foster care. That's a lot of kids in our country that don't have families. Check this out. There's an estimated 330,000 churches in the United States, which means if every single church would be willing to adopt one child and foster one child, we'd have no waiting children. Zero. Clear it out. The church could do that. And the church should do that. This is God's call for those who want to make a difference. And so as people who adopt or support adoption, 
We provide this inheritance. We take these kids and we say, you're mine. We take these kids and say, all that I have is yours. And you know what's so beautiful about Christians adopting the children of the world? If that child has happened with all of this desire for it to happen, and if that child comes to Christ, they just received a double inheritance. And now everything that belongs to God belongs to these precious children. That's our heart. Adoption is such a vivid picture of God's love for us. J.I. Packer, preacher, theologian, author, he said this, Adoption is the highest privilege the gospel has to offer. I think we can agree with that. So, from a Christian worldview, the reason we adopt is because God's pro-adoption. He's adopted us, and he's encouraged us to adopt kids. Now, not everyone's going to be called to adopt a child, but we are all called to be pro-adoption. Let me give you a couple applications that are very clear of what you can do in light of what we just shared. First, some of you need to adopt or foster a child. Some of you need to adopt or foster a child. We've got several ministries present today. When you go outside this foyer in the corner, Bethany Christian Services, uh, Forever Home Adoptions, Spirit of Faith Adoptions, they are there to say, hey, you got questions about adoption? You ever, you ever considered this as an option? Um, talk to us. Or if you want to serve in a ministry that helps make a difference in this way, go talk to those ministries today. They can help you know more about adoption. Also, if you look inside your program, not only do we have those ministries listed and all the information related to them, but at the bottom of the back page, we have an information meeting. In a couple weeks on December 3rd, just to... Um, you know, provide an informational meeting. If you've ever thought about adoption or wonder if adoption's in your future, I know uh, my wife, Rika, this was planted in her heart when she was 16, that one day she might do this, you know, and, and God made that a reality in our life. And so if you're a teenager, young adult, you know, whatever stage or age of life, if you want to know more about adoption, you can be at this December 3rd meeting. We've got a sign up. We're going to create a distribution list um, there at the front. And so uh, sign up if you want to know more about that December 3rd meeting. If you show up, you're not required to adopt. You're not going to walk out with a child. We're not doing that to you. But you can find out more. If you're online, you can email us in at connectcvconline.org and let us know you want to go to that if you're within range. Uh, before moving away from this application of adopting, I need to talk to two groups for a minute. Let me talk to the men for a minute. Men, just like parenting, just like taking care of kids, this is not strictly the women's responsibility. Guys, everything we've just read just now about adoption is about the father. The father has this love for his children. Man, God has put inside of us an instinct to protect and to provide and to fight for something. Some of you men need to have your heart stirred to fight for the orphan. And blow your wife's mind and say, honey, I think we need to bring one home. Because statistically, it's the woman dragging the man in, right? Maybe it needs to be the man taps into that warrior spirit that God's given you. You go, you know what? can't take them all, but I'll take one. I can't take them all, but we'll take one, honey. I also want to talk to some of you couples that are struggling with infertility. I know you're out there. That's our journey. My wife and I can't biologically have kids. You know what? We don't want to, man. Look at these three amazing kids God's given us through adoption. I would never trade that in a, in a second. Some of you are suffering, and I'm sorry for your suffering. That suffering is real. But don't rule out adoption. Whether God gives you biological children or not is not the question. The question is, does God want you to grow your family? Maybe by putting a dent in the waiting child population. But you have to start here with the understanding that it's not we have to adopt, it's we get to adopt. 
Maybe God's calling you to that. One application is to adopt. Second is to do something tangible to support adoption. Find meaningful ways to tangibly support adoption if you're not in a place to bring a child home. Here's a few ideas. Pray for orphans awaiting children. Pray for families who are adopting and fostering. Serve in a ministry like ones we just mentioned earlier. Financially support ministries that help with adoption. Financially support an orphanage. Go on a mission trip and serve at an orphanage. Advocate and be vocal about orphan care. Use your skills and vocation. Some of you are in legal care or you're um, a person who can uh, notarize. You know, I'm so grateful for the hundreds of dollars saved by the notaries who loved our family and said, we'll just do that for free. Like, use what you have to support the work. Some of you can physically support families. You can cook meals for them when they bring those kids home. You can do childcare. Look, you guys have gone through a lot. Beat it. We're going to watch your kids. Go have a date night. Uh, especially if those are single moms. They just need to get out, have a break. House sit if they go out of the country to go get a child. Run errands. Stay at home. I'll go get that for you. Throw a baby shower. Provide diapers, formula, all these kinds of things. Also, financially support families. And this is, this is a huge endeavor. Give them some money to help go toward their adoption. On that note, uh, years ago, we activated here at CVC an adoption a grant fund. So thank you for providing thousands of dollars to go toward families who feel called to adopt. Because of your generosity, six families so far have adopted because of your generosity. But we know that more can. And so uh, the adoption grant uh, agency is out there too. The CVC grant team will be out there if you've got questions about how to find out more about that provision. So again, we're not all called to adopt a child, but we are all called to be pro-adoption. One family has felt that call to make a difference, Jason and Michelle. They've been kind enough to share a little bit about their story of adoption with us, so let's watch that together. Our adoption story really starts um, long before we even met, um, God placed adoption in my heart before I even knew that um, I would be a mom. Shortly after we were married, we found out we were expecting our first son, and, and we were excited. Um, I would say, really, our passion for adoption just grew. You know, we have these babies that we're loving on and we're caring, and, you know, uh, it'd be the middle of the night, and one of our boys would be small and be crying and I would go to them and they'd stop and I would just be thinking about so many babies who have no one come. It over and over again it was impressed on me. I want to love them and accept them like God has done for us and like he's allowed us to do for these children that he's put in our lives so far. For me, in the big yeah. turning point, I was just talking to a friend, and he was just saying um, that there's just no hope for these little girls in China and some of these other countries, especially China. So at that moment, it was just, we're just doing international, and then we knew that there were going to be some bumps in the road, you know, so we were just hoping that the bumps weren't going to be too big. I mean, you're going through a really long process to uh, bring your little one home, and it's just, um, you know, you, you just are praying, you know, God, like, I know this is, everything is going to happen the way it's going to happen, but, you know, you, you sometimes you just don't expect some of the bumps in the road that do happen. So our little girl's name was Xin Yan. So she had had one heart surgery when she was two months old, and we knew that she was going to need another one. Everything in her reports came back that she was going to have a full repair. So we went into that praying and believing and knowing that she was fully cared for and loved 
the first update came that they had gone in and they had only been able to do two of the re the repairs. Um, and her little body started to get overwhelmed. I think it was the next night. It was the news that she didn't make it. As sad as I, as it was, we were definitely mourning the loss. This is a beautiful heart, a good heart. Um, she was so loved up until the very last minute, and, and she had a family. She yeah. had. A, we were her family. Yeah. She she didn't die an orphan. She yeah. did not die unclaimed. We loved her as much as we could for as long as we could with everything we had and we would say yes to her all over again. We kept saying we're going to move forward in hope, right? Yeah. In hope. To stop was never a consideration. So So then we found Ruby. <laughs> we did. Yeah. We're in the waiting phase. So everything is in China. Um, and we're just waiting and learning more about our girl every day, again, because she's in this great home and um, waiting till we can travel and go get her. Mm -hmm. We see the gospel in adoption. We see the picture of a God who he sees us in our needy, desperate state. Um, lonely and lost and lacking in love and confused and and you know the bible says we know love in this that he loved us first and he's right there and he draws us to us and he welcomes us right in so what we see in adoption is a picture of redemption um, just like when we say yes to god and we decide to accept him and become a part of his family, we're saying yes to this child and welcoming them in and giving them the same rights as our own biological children. Kids are fun too. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not us and who else is going to do it, so. All morning, in a good way, my heart's just been full of just appropriate pride of our church. Thank you guys for loving kids. Thanks for loving adoption. God's adoption for us and how we can demonstrate the gospel by adopting others. I'm so grateful for families who have done what Pollocks have done, who are currently doing what the Pollocks are doing, and someday we'll be doing what the Pollocks are doing. God's given us that heart. Before I close this part and we hear a great song, I just want to invite someone up to help me close in prayer. Someone who knows everything we've talked about very personally. She may be young, but she gets it. I just want to invite my daughter Faith up to help me close in prayer over this issue. And so she's going to help me pray and close. You guys pray with us, please. Daddy will pray first. You can pray second. Okay. Father, thank you so much for the power of your love, a love that sees us orphaned and defenseless in our distress, and you came through Christ, made it possible that we could be adopted by you. Father, thank you for that. God, I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you as Savior, that today will be the day that they say yes to your offer 
to be their father, for Jesus to be their savior. And God, thank you for the families in this church. Thank you that, God, may they, whether they're adopting a child or supporting the Lord, that we can make a difference. God, we know that your heart is pleased. And we thank you for all that you do, Father. We love you. Dear Jesus, thank you that you bless these children in unique ways and that you give them families to adopt them with love and care. When they adopt new children, it's like adopting a new present from the Lord. And when people adopt, they bring more people to your in Jesus' name, amen.